Well, thanks for tuning in today. I have a really exciting guest. His name is Nathan Stuck, and he is an expert on B Corps. And B Corporation is a process of businesses who want to do well and to do good in the world, which is what we talk about a lot on the podcast. So I'm super excited. We get into how to create B Corps, what it means to be a B Corp. And we even spend some time at the end imagining what it would look like if our businesses oriented themselves toward being forces for good in the world. So if you're ready, let's get started. Well, hello, good afternoon, good morning, good evening. I don't know, wherever you're listening to this, welcome to A Mission Driven You. I am super excited today to have Nathan stuck with us. And Nathan is, he is an award-winning leader in the B Corp community. He's the founder and CEO of Profitable Purpose Consulting. And we're gonna talk about business for social good, which if you're a listener to this podcast, you know is a central theme we keep coming back to. So Nathan, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, well, excited to be here. Thanks for having me. This is right up my alley. So I'm excited for the conversation and see where it takes us. That's great. So I mentioned before in the in our little green room conversation, there's always one question I ask first. Because we started focusing on interdependence, it's still a big topic. So I want you to reflect real quickly on somebody that made a difference for you or or some group that made a difference for you. When you look back, you're like, dang, like they were they were really important in my journey. Yeah. I mean, there's two like Super easy ones. Well, there's a third one, but I just shouted her out on another podcast. So well, we'll keep the rotation going. Um, sorry, Christina. So for me, it's it's pretty simple. I mean, Jeff Jones, my old boss at, at Victorium. So I mean, I, I went in, I limped into MBA, into an MBA program, I'm like burned out on capitalism, burned out on like everything. Just kind of like I got laid off twice in six months. Yeah, I worked two more like terrible jobs. And so I go back and so you, you know, you, that failure happens and you start kind of like questioning everything. Right. And so, like, my second semester, here's this project that's like a B Corp project. And so I took, you know, like, whatever. I don't know what that is, but I'll sign up for it. And it was through the Net Impact Club. I'm like, this is whatever. And because uh, I'd said I'd throw myself into anything experiential, you know, this is my last right. reset. And I wasn't a, I was a full time MBA student in my 30s, not, you know, 24, two years out, like, let's go get a pay raise. It was like, oh, God, I'm trying to reset my life. Right. So I walk in this meeting and Jeff is there with his wife, Alice. And like, I just I just immediately liked them. And I fell in love with the concept of B Corps. And I kept working on the project. The semester ends. And I'm like, hey, can, what are you doing? He's like, it's probably going to die on the vine because we're starting to grow. I was like, well, when I get back in the fall, let's let's keep I'll I'll get the team, I'll get the band back together. We'll keep this project going. Yeah. So we did. And I ended up like by like, you know, December, he's like, what are you doing when you graduate? Please come work for me. So I ended up going to work for them. But honestly, it's just those, those those meetings we had when I was a student. And afterwards, yeah. you know, I mean, I'm partly trying to network and I partly also just really like this couple. And and they would always like our meetings were always from three to four on Friday in Athens. So you know what happens at four <laughs> o'clock on Friday in Athens? Uh, well, I'm depending on what with that. it's called, uh, it rhymes with Yappy Mauer. Uh, so he would say, you know, who wants to go? Who wants to go have a right. drink? And so I would go with him every week, and we get in these conversations about business, and you know, and like you get to that point of like failing and trying and failing and trying, and, you know, like keep picking, and like you start to lose confidence. But I still always thought I had a really sharp business mind, you know, like yeah. I. I, I and I would have these conversations with him where he wanted my opinion on some issue they were having at work. And I'd give him, and he'd be like, Hey, we tried that out. And it was a great idea. And, da, da, da. and you're like, 
Maybe like he restored all of my confidence when I was kind of a broken MBA student and then going to right. work for him and just empowering. And then like, you know, come full circle. He helped me start be local Georgia, you know, and kind of empowered me to do whatever the hell I right. want to do as long as I got my work done. And then towards the very end, like, you know, 2021, when I had somebody come and say, Hey, I want to pay you to do this. And I went to Jeff and he said, Hey, why don't you start your own LLC? And just kind of like, as long as you're doing your work during work hours, I don't really care what you do the rest of the day see if you can't grow something. And last July we had the conversation, you know, cause kind of, that was kind of like the, Hey, if we cross that bridge when we cross it. And I was like, I think it's time to cross the bridge. And so I, I went full time on my own. So him, and then, yeah, Jared Myers, another one that like early on in my B Corp days of, of running to Jared, who runs kind of the sister to be local Georgia, Florida for good. Like Jared and I, same thing where like, here's this like super successful businessman that wanted to like pick my brain about business questions. And so like, you know, I think it started with Jeff and then Jared kind of mentored me, out in the B Corp space as well. So just two great bosses and two people that live that like B Corp ethos that, sure. you know, which is why, you know, I literally before this got off a call with a friend who's been laid off now twice in eight months, a corporate recruiter. And I'm like, dude, whatever help you need, I've been there. So kind of that like paying right. it forward now for him, hopefully. So I love that story. Thanks for sharing it. You know, I, I love asking that question because people often there's, they sort of dig back into the old files and like, oh yeah, like I haven't thought of that person, but man, they were the difference maker for you. It's a somebody you've been in touch with more recently, but I, I love, love, love that story. So you've mentioned, we've already talked about B Corp. I think we've already said it seven times or eight times. I'm who's counting, but so what's a B Corp? Let's start there. Let's just start with the basics. Tell us what a B Corp is. First of all, if you say B Corp three times fast, I show up in your living room. So be careful. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so B Corps are to for-profit businesses what lead is to a building, to a sustainable building. It is an outside accredited certification that you can get the nonprofit B Lab administers. And it's funny, I've had I've had so many conversations recently. Obviously, the nature of my work, I help companies do this. But even even now, you have to recertify your business every three years. And I'm getting calls from people who are recertifying who are like, it's gotten harder. Like, what is your rate and when can you start? And so it's it's and and I've heard it equated not only the lead like analogy, but also to stuff that lead was doing in the 70s. When lead first started, like leads beginning requirements became building codes. And so like lead kind of kept evolving and B Corp is too. Like, so things that were foreign 15 years ago, like volunteer time off and parental leave instead of maternity, like all these things now are kind of like standard business practices. And so like B Labs moving those standards, but you know, it, the overall assessment that you have to take to certify is there's five categories. So there's corporate governance. So, you know, how transparent are you? What kind of information are you sharing with your employees? That kind of thing. And then from corporate governance, it goes into the, the worker section. So like, what's the pay multiplier from top employee to bottom employee? What type of benefits do you offer? What type of retirement do you offer? What percentage? Okay, you have healthcare. That's great. What percentage of your employees are actually signed up for it? You know, some of these, like when they really dig deep right. in that worker section, the community has all of obviously the community impact, social impacts, you know, volunteerism, pro bono, charitable donations, diversity, equity, inclusion, supply chain diversity. And then you get in from there, you go into the environmental section, which is obviously the environmental section. Um, right. Where you're like, what's in it? Environmental stuff. But, you know, it's looking at like, what, how, how local is your supply chain? How, yeah. what sort of impact are you having with that? What is your, um, you know, what are your scopes? One and two emissions, you know, that's great that your website and, and it's, well, let me come back to that point. Cause it's, it's worth saying. And then the last section is customers, you know, do you treat your people 
like, yeah, or your customers like people and not data. And if you, you know, and if you do stuff with their data, do you tell them what you're doing with it? Just be upfront and say, Hey, here's what we collect. Here's how we use it. So, and again, this is an a la carte menu. You don't have to do everything. You have to get 80 points out of 200. So, you know, for early stage businesses, like, you know, I'm, I'm hopefully about to make my first hire where healthcare is not right. Viable yet. I'm going to include a stipend for healthcare, but that's just it, it, it. But down the road, I want it, but it doesn't preclude me from being a B Corp. So, and the, and the thing, of course, now I lost my brilliant argument that I was going to make. Oh, so the, the overarching thing about the assessment that I love that will drive you nuts as you go through it. And I heard somebody say this recently, I wish I could credit them. So just put on, on the record, I'm stealing a quote, but most places you, you put on your website, you know, Hey, we're doing great in the environment and we're doing all these things in the community. And most people go, great. That's awesome. B-Lab goes, great. That's awesome. Prove it. Yeah. So yeah. like there is no, there is no, when you look at company websites and you see like, we give back to our local community and we care about sustainably sourcing our materials means absolutely nothing. If there's right. no data, right. I, my red flag, which is kind of right. where the, the B Corp, the value of that B Corp logo yeah. comes in. That designation is like every company nowadays is saying the exact same things. But if you see, if you see that little B Corp logo, you kind of have an idea that, all right. I don't know everything that goes in kind of like a lead building. I don't know what makes lead right. platinum lead gold. Right. I just know lead platinum super impressive and B Corp's kind of the same way. I don't know. You don't need to know everything. You don't need to know how the sausage is made. Just know that it is a very difficult certification to receive yeah. for your business. Yeah. That's incredibly helpful. Can you give us some examples of B Corp's we might know? <sighs> Let's see. Come on, product placement. Where are they? Well, I got my Tom Bean backpack, but that's not a more well-known one. I did. That was an employee appreciation gift I did at my old job where I was like, Patagonia is going to survive the pandemic, <laughs> but I'm worried about some of the smaller ones. So, but yeah, Patagonia, Warby Parker, Tom Shoes, Allbirds, yeah. Yeah. Bombas, let's see, Tillamook Cheese, Cabot Cheese, Ben and Jerry's, Jenny's Ice Cream, Natamu, which makes coconut ice cream. Oh, uh, Danone, yeah. Danone, North America is the largest B Corp in the world. Nes- Nespresso just certified. Oh, wow. Um, which, okay. Yeah. So you're getting some of the big ones, which causes a ruffle in the community because you're like, well, what, how did they get to, you know, like, right. Which is also kind of a, I think we've made it moment when you're starting to get companies of that size, of Danone size, of Nespresso size, seeing the need to go. And I can, I mean, Again, I do this for a living. I've helped companies. I'd say the biggest companies I've helped are in like the 200, 250 employee range. And those are a beast to, to yes. turn that cruise liner, you know, right. versus like helping the company with four employees that are all part time or something like, yeah, we're just turning the speedboat. We're going to add some policies. We're going to write the handbook. We're right. done. The big ones, like, I mean, it's still not, by the way, that's probably an overstatement. We're still not just done. There's those are still difficult, but like those bigger ones are incredibly difficult. So like the thought of being on, and I remember meeting somebody who worked on Danone's uh, certification. I just like, I wouldn't even know if I want that as a client. That sounds just, and it was an employee's full-time job. And she had a team to get them B Corp certified to give you, to put that into perspective of like, I mean, that's one of the reasons I try to give some grace to some of those bigger companies that people kind of like, well, it's a corporation. I don't think any company's perfect, but like they made a serious investment and getting yeah. that certification to hire a full-time person, let her build up a team and and go subsidiary by subsidiary around the world because you have to individually certify yeah. each subsidiary. Oh, like yeah. that's that's an impressive undertaking. Yeah. I love that Nespresso certified because to me, that's an example that you don't have to be perfect. 
you can get an 80 out of 200 and still certify as a B Corp. You know, I worked in the environmental space for a few years and, you know, the thought of some company that has disposable product being a B Corp, you know, doesn't always necessarily gel, but it's, it's more of a direction, isn't it? It's more of a, what, what direction are we as a company heading than are we perfect? And are we, do we, you know, do we achieve perfect scores in all five areas? Is that, is that fair? Yeah. You know, it's funny. I had a conversation last week with Trip Pomeroy, who's one of the guys started Cafe Campesino, which is where I still buy my coffee. Awesome B Corp down in America. They were one of the first like coffee cooperatives. So they would get a bunch of small roasters to go down to Central and South America and get these farms that are form cooperatives and buy coffee in bulk and pay, you know, real way, real prices, not commodity prices. And basically have uplifted a lot entire communities that we've always extracted and exploited out of poverty. And so Tripp and I were talking about this. I was very curious to get his opinion. And he stopped me at one point and said, you know, Nathan, I think the answer is in the gray. It's not, it's not that an espresso can never certify. And it's not a, that like, you know, that we should all be thrilled that they're certified. It's somewhere in the middle that I think you hit the nail on the head. They're on their journey. And if their journey is where the standards are now, and this is why those standards are going to keep evolving, you know, and at what point do we, and it's been a heated debate in the B Corp community of like, I mean, some people are like, absolutely no way they should have never been allowed to certify, you know, because there's things in their supply chain years past of, of, you know, right. you know, all of a sudden somebody does an audit and there's child labor in, in you know, Southeast Asia or wherever they were getting right. beans from. And it's, so there's things that like pop up. But at what point, like, is that an irredeemable sin? And if right. this certification is making them take that long, hard look in the mirror and figure out where can we do better? And they are a huge company with tons of employees. So you think about the impact of like making yeah. a better workplace for on that scale, like, right. You know, I'm of, I would say I'm of the argument that like we should be encouraging these companies because the impact is greater, not negating the impact of, of somebody like my company or, or Trips company, which reminds me I need to reorder coffee. But I think, I think it's important though. I think that, that, that the ability, it's also a proof of concept really of, of that we've made it when it's making the financial times article, like one more person taps me into like comment in a LinkedIn thread. Nathan, interested in your opinions. Look at the last six posts I've been tagged in. I've already done it. Um <laughs> so, but it's 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 where that I think the dem- we can officially say the demand curve has shifted. The demand curve has shifted and and businesses are starting to go, I better get over there. I mean it's chasing the yeah. money and also embracing that argument too. Like, oh they're just doing it for the ROI. Cool. If that if that's what it takes to make companies great places to work, better stewards right. of the economy, of their supply chain, to pay living weight, to do all these great things. If it takes them going like, oh, this is what it's going to take for people to buy our product. That means we're doing our job as consumers. Like we're doing, right. we're, we're changing the world. I mean, I hate to say that it sounds over the top, but that's what it means is we've, we, if we need to continue to shop with our values and work with our values. And we will continue to see these big companies follow us. So sorry, I got really worked up there. No, no, that's amazing, man. (laughs) All rants are welcome. Trust me. So here's where I want to go next. So you mentioned that you entered into your MBA program, burned out on capitalism. I think if not careful, there's a, there's a view out there that B Corps are, you know, modern day hippies who are just, you know, trying to start granola factories or whatever, 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 fill (laughs) in the blanks. Granola companies, don't get me wrong. Well, that's true too. Yeah, sure. But so- I want you to kind of dispel that myth. Like what's the relationship of B Corps to capitalism and is, well, 
Yeah, I'll, I'll start with that question. I have a bigger question about capitalism, but let's start with that question. I love this question. This is literally, we talked about our TED Talks before this. This is, I can't wait. I wish mine was out right now where I'm like, I just watched it because I had to make the edits to get it to 18 minutes. So right. I just saw it was like, oh, that's good. It's going to be. So anyway, but I talk about that and just, I make all these arguments about thing where capitalism has led us. And I, I like to dance on Milton Friedman's grave a little bit once in a while. And I'm wearing a red sport coat in the video. And I'm like, so surely everybody can tell by now I'm like a burn it all down socialist. I hate capitalism. It's the worst thing ever. And I was like, wrong. I'm an right. unapologetic capitalist. I think capitalism is the best economic system we've invented. I think when you boil down what the definition of capitalism is, it is simply a private market that you and I and, and entrepreneurial listeners or future entrepreneurs listening to this right now, you can own a business. We can own a business. We can also buy shares in corporations and be owners of businesses. Like it's privately held. Anybody, my, my mom's from Germany. I have family in East Germany. Like there's night and day difference. Like I don't want that. I never want that. I think there's something inherently beautiful about fair market value for the value you bring to the marketplace. It doesn't mean that we're a more valuable human being. It just, it, there's prices for things, just like there's not a flat price for everything. I think where we've gone wrong is that we have not controlled capitalism. At the end of the day, the free market, it's literally the Merriam-Webster definition, determines pricing, distribution, production. <laughs> like, right. so right. like every, everybody listening right now, we're the free market. We're, we're employees. Like, right. And then I would say that to the counter argument and kind of like, you know, like what's happened in the state of the South of me of like, if, if you don't like it, don't go to Disney. If you don't right. like it. And the same thing right. with, if you don't like a company's values, you know, you don't have to buy cafe campesino coffee, but if you do like those values and the impact they're making in the world, by all means, go out of your way to buy cafe campesinos coffee, like right. be the free market and exercise you can buy whatever you want. And I and I think that's where we're getting and, and I hate that this is getting political because but I think we in a weird way have kind of let it get to this because we're we either we're afraid to call it capitalism or we didn't want to say oh and I, to me it's like A, I'm in the southeast, you know, B, those are two business degrees sitting behind me um on the wall. Like I like the system. I think it was just how do we I heard my old CEO describe B Corp as guardrails for corporate decision making. And I think yeah. that at the end of the day is what it needs to be. You know, I mean, we still have to be profitable. We, you know, no margin, right. no mission, no profit, no purpose. Like we still have to right. run. I mean, there are plenty of B Corps that have had to do layoffs. You know, it doesn't mean that we are like kind of like kumbaya. And, and I think if we are not careful with the messaging that we as a community use, we we back ourselves into a corner very quickly where when we are caught doing layoffs, it's a ha C B Corps. They're just, they're just like the rest of us. And in reality, like, right. yeah, we are. We're capital capitalist businesses we right. occasionally have to make really difficult decisions but i think planning it as a like look we're a new type of business that is trying to if you boil down what goes into that assessment it is just good business it's it's recruiting and retaining good employees by treating them well and 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 keeping them on staff because they enjoy working for you they don't dread mondays it's right being good stewards of our community, which is going to turn what? The people in our community into loyal consumers. They're going to want to work for us. They're going to want to buy from us. It's acting like the environment poses a threat to our businesses. This isn't like activism. It's literally recognizing in any big corporation index fund, like if you think that they're not worried about their operations that are in places that will potentially flood in 50 years in a Southeast Asia or a South Florida, you're you're lying to yourself. They are like, so like this is, that's all we're doing here is we're just, 
we're honestly, it's funny to see the backlash because we're really just using the free market to to move the Absolutely. demand curve. That's that's it. And the free, and the free market is speaking right now. So you can you can legislate it, you can regulate it all you want, but this is capitalism, and it's beautiful because it's working. Yeah, it is working, not perfectly yet. And I would be in the camp who says that capitalism is is the best system we've ever invented and also deeply broken. It seems to me that the B Corp vision is really based not on, to your point, what you just said, not on uh, increased government regulations, not on putting strictures on businesses, but on changing the value systems of a culture. How do we do that? Because that, to me, that's, look, even in my own, even in my corporate consulting work, like, I go in trying to, how do you actually change the value system of a single company? Now, how do you change the value system of a whole culture to the point where they see B Corp and they say, oh, yeah, no, that's the right, that's the better choice than cheaper, faster, better, cheaper, faster, quicker, whatever, you know, whatever is the market is trying to sell them. How do we get to that? How do we get to that values conversation? And how do we actually impact the values so that B Corps make even more sense? Oh, that's, oh, that's a great question. You know, I mean, and and let's be honest, if we, you know, we, I mean, we don't have to do the whole history lesson, but we are a very individualistic country. We were founded on kind of that, like, you know, manifest destiny and all these right. things that did horrible things to people too. Let's be real about that too. But I think th- like getting to that collectivist, collective mindset, I think it's going to happen generationally. Yeah. You know, I think when you, when Gen Z showed up, they were very much so you know, like gas can in hands, <laughs> like what y'all do this? Y'all just like literally live to work. I'm like, I don't want to do this. And you saw it with like the great resignation. I'm like, no. <laughs> and there's an element of, you know, not, I don't want to be that old guy. that's like, oh, this entitled next generation doesn't understand the hard work. And I think, I don't think they're afraid of the hard work. And I think they want to achieve great things. I think they understand that that takes hard work. Some of them are just being exactly like we were when we were in our twenties. I could run this company so much better. Oh, with your two years of experience in the real world, you could. Yeah, brilliant. I was that guy. But I think that that they came and wanted a, it wasn't that they don't want to work hard. It wasn't that they don't want to succeed and be successful and own a business. I think it's that they saw the priorities were kind of in the wrong place of like, this just like, squeeze out every last drop of profit, no matter whose neck you have to step on to squeeze it out, I think is where they kind of went like, seriously? And then that caught our attention, the millennials. I'm 40, the oldest millennials, 43 now of like, oh, hey, Gen Z, what's up? Yeah, no, we've been miserable this whole time. We just didn't have the courage to say anything about it. Like, And I think so. I think that's what it's going to take is like us kind of reinventing and reimagining i'm not telling you my ted talk or reimagining capitalism through purpose but but i mean but it's the same talking point it's it's yeah that is what it's going to take and i think you're seeing this and now not only are we like oh here's this beautiful example of businesses using or companies using business of force for good it's also it's good for business you know, I mean, yeah. with where the demand curve shifted, this is going to be, this is a good business strategy for a business. I think that's going to help shift that mindset too of like, once people, I mean, watch any commercial right now. I mean, Kia with an SUV driving out a beach, collecting plastic and then sea turtles right. show up, Fiji with a green water bottle, like mm-hmm. green water. Like, no, it isn't green water. It's a plastic bottle. Like those type, like everybody's doing this now and it's, they're all chasing that demand curve. So to me, I think that's where it'll start to shift is that, if we keep acting intentionally, I think companies yeah. have to change because the free market's telling them, you know, hey, here's the price point. Here's what the, here's the product they want to buy and take it or leave it. So, and, you know, again, coming back to the, like, if you don't like it, don't buy it. Yeah. Yeah. Free country, yeah. free market, go for it. 
So here's another question. I don't mean to be overly difficult. I really want to push down on this, on some of the sort of social factors though, because I'm, because I'm in part, I'm just deeply interested. I'm trained as a sociologist. Is there a class divide here? Is that, is class an issue? Like I saw this a lot. So I did a lot of work in Appalachia and I, and during my graduate work and I saw, you know, decisions that were being made in the city were just very different than the decisions that are going to get made in Harlan County, Kentucky. And I'm curious how much of a class issue is at work in the whole B Corp conversation and in shifting the values and shifting the market to to B Corps? So this is a great point. And, and I, I love talking about this because, you know, I'm in Athens, Georgia, which Athens, Clark County, Georgia is, I think, the poorest county per capita in the state of Georgia, which you wouldn't know it because I got this. I mean, I got all my Georgia swag on the wall. You know, like we have this beautiful university that I have two degrees from, um, these giant, massive buildings, the indoor football complex and back to back championships. Right. So you're like drive away from campus. And I think, you know, in the conversations I have sometimes in B Corp circles are very different than those that I have in Athens circles or even, I mean, go to Atlanta. There's pockets of Atlanta that are extremely wealthy. And there are pockets that are extremely, very extremely poor. poor that have been overlooked for generations and I, I think there is something to be said for that. I mean, I go back and forth with sometimes with, you know, sometimes, you know, by nature of what B Corp stand for, it was popular in, I think Portland has 199, California is 100, 200 and something. Right. Anyway, it's in a spreadsheet somewhere on my computer. California, I know it's 399 as of two days ago. Colorado is 173. New York has like 148. But up until a couple of years ago, the South had very few. And then people like me have been working pretty hard. And, you know, so you get in these conversations where it's almost that the, that the same thing that kind of happens in, and I don't want to take this politically, but it's the same kind of like language that the coastal elites kind of like end up running the show and telling the conversation. And they're using language. Like at one point it was, we're going to call it a stakeholder driven economic system. I'm like, nobody knows what that is outside <laughs> of some mean? liberal think tank that came up right. with that, that term. I, I can't walk into a boardroom in the suburbs of land and be like, so we believe in a stakeholder driven economic system. People were going to like, what is this crazy guy talking about? And right. you mentioned right. earlier, kind of like the granola factor of like, we can still believe in these ideals and work towards these things yeah. Without necessarily having to sound like we, you know, we came up with this, like our policy think tank came up with these, you know, acceptable terms that we're going to use. And, and like, I think the rest of the country has, the rest of the country is trying to put food on the table and they don't necessarily have any idea what you're talking about. So I think there's an element of that that comes into the community of, you know, we, we, we jokingly sometimes in like the non hubs you know like when i was on idaho last year having conversations with idaho b corps and right. you hear these things from these people like kind of like like i i can't sometimes i can't sell what they're putting out it becomes more and more difficult because i am in a more you know even in the south i talk about that all the time like i've got b corp owners who are more who might be right of center politically but are deeply faith driven to right. certify as a B Corp and run their business in this way that serves their people, serves their communities that cares deeply about diversity, equity, inclusion. And it's, and it's a, it's a faith climb for them, but they might still, you know, be don't touch sure. my money, Reagan Republicans at the same time. Right. Like, and right. there's, but they do plenty of charitable, you know, like it's just so, it's so different in the rest of the country. And I think sometimes that one size fits all where we try to, tell people what's right for them sometimes turns people off. I mean, it's, a, it's, a, it's an internal debate that's happening right now. But what I will say is I think it is healthy 
and needed, and I think where our country on all sides has gotten away from is this like encampment in you're right, I'm wrong. I will not meet you in the middle. I will not understand your argument, you know, to like walk a day in somebody else's shoes of, you know, for somebody selling B Corp in Georgia or in Alabama is being, you know, being cognizant of like, it's very different down here and the conversations are different. And, you know, it's just, you know, so versus when I go, sometimes I joke about like, you know, when I'm in, I went out to California a couple of times last year, it's a very different conversation. I almost have to, I don't say code switch, but I almost have to go and kind of become somebody else and speak a different language when I'm out there because they won't know what I'm talking about if I use what I if if I use the vernacular I'll try to drop the alls in there but (laughs) if I speak like I'm in Georgia right yeah no I love that answer thank you and and yeah this is to me uh, sort of an a, a perplexing problem of culture change broadly which is that we've we've wrapped up so much identity in political uh language and in sort of boundary language, what's, are you, are you us, are you them kind of thing that I think is unhelpful. And to me, the the beauty of the whole B Corp movement, if I can think of it as, if we can think of it as a movement is that, yeah, it's, it's people like you that are transcending some of those barriers. So I'm super grateful for that. Yeah. And we have to make space and we have to make, sorry, we have to make space for all those people too. We have to absolutely like, I know what a stakeholder driven economic system. I'm a hundred percent on board. At the end of the day, it's still capital. It's a variation of capitalism, like like calling it something else, but it's still the same thing. So like making sure though, that we allow for those voices in our community and the dissenting, the Nespresso voices pro con, like Brewdog ended up kind of getting booted as a B Corp. Like having being able to allow those dissenting voices to be heard and not necessarily like canceled out of the community, um, I think is 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 going to be important to the long-term success of the B Corp movement. I love that. I love that vision. I want to put your sort of consultant hat, your B Corp consulting hat now. So let's start with an existing corporation. So Existing company, let's say 200, 250 employees listening to this podcast, they're like, oh, B Corp, I, I love what Nathan's laying down. I want to I want to get involved. First steps, like what is what is the journey look like? Where do they start? How do they begin the process? What does that look like? Oh, well, welcome and get ready for like more improvement than you have no idea how powerful this process is going to be. Honestly, step one, and I even have all my clients do this, is just take the assessment because you're going to go through that assessment and I don't care how good of a company you are. And I'm not even going to say, think you are, you probably are. If you're thinking about doing this, you are a good company, but let's get you to great. So start with taking the assessment and that assessment, I wish I spoke somewhere the other day and the person who spoke after me talked about her experience going through this and it was, but go through that assessment and start to see what, see what you can answer, answer as much of it as you can. But you're going to be blown away by how many things you're like, oh, you know, how many companies tell me like, we volunteer a lot. And you're like, how many hours? What percentage of your employees participated? Like some of these were, oh, uh, we haven't quantified that. So we're going to go through the assessment and just answer as much as we can. And then I'm going to get involved and I'm going to go through and figure out like, okay, here are all these things. I usually do some discovery sessions with like, I want to meet with everybody. I want to meet with the CEO, the COO. I want to meet with the You know, depending on what it is, like one of my bigger clients was an accounting firm. I want to meet with your, you know, bookkeepers. I want to meet with the accountants. I want to meet with the fractional CFOs. I want to meet with everybody in this organization to understand like, what is the culture to them? What do they value about working here? And then come back to that assessment and start using that context as we build out not only where we're going to find our 80 points and what improvements we're going to make, but what aligns, like what out of this assessment aligns with 
what it is our employees love about being here, what it is our customers enjoy about doing business with us. Like, how are we going to use this certification as well to tell a really compelling story about what an awesome business we are? And then going through and also figuring out like, where can we shore things up? Like, oh, well, we only have this many volunteer hours. Well, have you done a company-wide volunteer event? You know, it's putting some strategies around like, what is our community impact? What organizations are you currently supporting? How does that come back to the brand in a way that we can kind of use it as a storytelling tool as well? And then let's figure out like what coordinated, even little things. Like I had a company the other day and just happened to, I'm the board chair for Keep Athens Beautiful. They're in Athens. Happens to be the road right in front of their office isn't adopted. Boom. There's four quarterly cleanups a year. My old company, we did the same thing in uh, North Georgia. It was like, and we call it the Advic Highway. And this one now will be the Olus Highway. But what a cool opportunity. So the strategies like that of like, how do we, what fun ways can we engage the team? And so I come at it from a culture and impact perspective too. So yeah, it's that taking the initial pass. And then I would recommend, especially a company that size, hiring somebody, even if you have somebody championing the project yeah. on the inside, get somebody like me, Carolina Miranda. There's some really cool ones out there that understand the process. And understand not only how to help you like check the boxes sounds too easy. It's not just checking the boxes. It's right. it's implementing it. It's beyond just like, okay, cool. We have a new policy. Right. How do we roll this policy out? How do we use this policy internally to let our employees, like, how do we publicize it? How do we make this a retention tool? How do we make our employees rave about working here with some of these different things? How do we right. get their feedback before we go, hey, everybody will love 40 hours a, a week, a, you know, a year to, to volunteer. Will they? What do they want to do? How do we engage them? What options do we give them? Like, so really going deep and like doing it right. You know, it's kind of like software. If, you know, you can get Salesforce, it's great. But out of the box, it's worthless unless you right. unless it's implemented very well. Yeah, you could probably do it yourself. Nobody's going to use it. And after right. a year, you go, "Why am I paying for all these licenses?" So I don't know if that answers the question, but that's kind of no, my that's a great answer. My yeah. strategy of like, and then yeah, like get in, take it, and then just get somebody who really knows the ins and outs, not just of the assessment, but the the, the tactical of the implementation piece to get your you know. And again, don't be afraid of saying it to get your ROI as well. Yeah. It's, it's an investment yeah. of time and yeah. money and resources. And, but it should, there should, this should be looked at as an investment, not a, an expense. I love that. And I love, you know, some of the corporate clients that I work with, we're always trying to figure out how to assess culture. What I love about the B Corp process is it has these really specific tools. I'm wondering if you could tell us some either war stories or, and or success stories. I'd love to hear both. Like what are some, can you give us an example of a company that just, you know, really, struggled and overcame and then maybe not by name but some 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 companies that have really struggled to to get there uh, you know I'd love to hear I'd love to sort of put some flesh around this idea of becoming taking an existing company and turning it uh, moving it toward B Corp status yeah I think the fun ones are the bigger ones just because again it's more of turning an ocean liner and so we, yeah. I mean we had one and so the big curveball lately has been that there's so much demand for B Corp certification and rightly so that there's like the, the wait 2020 happened and, you know, you see George Floyd get murdered. You have COVID you have, everybody assumed that maybe like demand's going to drop for this B Corp thing. Right. Like nobody, nobody's going to, nobody, this is going to back burner. And then no, it went the opposite direction. They just yeah. got bombarded with, with applications of, of business owners out there going like, you know what? What was that old movie? Like, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, of like, news, maybe something like yeah. that. Yeah. 
So yeah. you have all these, you have all these, you know, entrepreneurs, business owners out there going like, no, this isn't, none of this is acceptable. And so you right. have this like doubling down on B Corp values. So, so, you know, working with a couple companies and it took forever to get to the queue because they just got crushed with demand and good problems to have. People get really frustrated. And I try to remind them like, Hey, we're like growing a movement and like anybody who's scaled a business gets the choppiness and poor B lab is stuck in the middle and everybody's just complaining and bombarding. You got me complaining about their marketing campaigns. You got other people complaining about the queue and it's, you know, and you look at it and you're like, but by the time you get to the the verification part, you're like, I don't even remember like what, you know, it's like the consultant. You're like, all right, I have to totally regroup with this client. Like, what did we answer? Why did we answer that way? Like I had one company that, you know, some of the advice of the implementation part was y'all are at a point. I've been at a company of similar sizes. You need an HR director. You need to bring this in house and you need to have them. They're going to need to own these policies that we're implementing. They're going to need to own these metrics. It's not going to happen ad hoc. And so at this point now they've hired an HR director who's been here for a year, you know? So we have these like, oh my gosh. And we're trying to figure out and like so many, and we had added new policies and we'd added new benefits. So like half of our answers were out of date where I'm like, oh wait. So, you know, normally you go through it and you're like, okay. And then they send you, you get through this, you know, the evaluation queue, then you go to the verification phase and they give you a bunch of answers and you're like, all right, boom, boom, boom. This works, this works, this works. Well, now at this point, this company's grown and we're having to go in and we're like, okay, so we're going to lose these points because that that answer doesn't exist anymore. Or this doesn't. But also I went back through the entire assessment and was like, okay, but I found we're going to lose 11 points, but I found 13 that we should get because of the changes we've implemented. Yeah. So yeah. it was almost like starting from scratch. And it was, and at the end of the day, with an 80.1, they certified <laughs> and that's all you need. Um, and I tell people, leave yeah. the ego at the door. So right. I, that was, that was probably my favorite one just because there was so much in flux and, and, you know, even my old job, I remember when we first certified, there was like 22 employees, something like that. We were small. And then by the time we recertified, it was like 110 or something. So like, it was like a different company. It was like going through right. it all over again. And lucky for us, like I was doing that. So I had all the KPIs and I had kept making sure that we were hitting volunteer goals and diversity goals and all these different things, but it was still like recertifying a totally different, but that's the beauty of, I love the recertification aspect. Every three years you're recertifying. So, and the standards are improving. So like, it's not enough to like rest on your laurels. Like you're going to have to keep up with the B labs is instead of keeping up with the Joneses, yeah. you're going to have to keep up with this evolving moving kind of goal line or moving goalposts that that are evolving as that demand curve kind of sets into place and we're shifted here it's like you know which is again coming back to my earlier kind of why i'm like hey like let's let's where we're at now let's push it a couple yards down let's appreciate the progress of the journey and not just kind of demand that everybody's 15 years ahead but but i think that's the fun part though is is tracking that progress and you know and then we get in the community of B Corps, you get to learn from all these other companies. So I think it makes that progress a little bit easier because it's like what you have your ear to the ground of like, what are all these crazy companies doing? And you're finding inspiration from, you know, when you think, man, I'm really out there just saving the world. And you get out there and you meet some other people and you're like, well, I'm doing nothing with my life. (laughs) (laughs) I should be doing so much more. Um, And so, but you're surrounded by people like that. So it makes that, that continuous improvement part of the journey easier. I love that. And what I love about it, I'm just thinking I I had my consulting hat on there for a minute. And I imagine this has the added benefit of helping companies stay evergreen in those five areas. Yes. You know, and now it's funny because B Lab has invested a lot in networks. Yeah. 
you know, and for me, I got lucky that Christina, who I mentioned earlier that I wasn't mentioning as my inspirational leader, Christina, when she was at that first meeting with Jeff, she did her MBA at UGA. She'd worked on a yeah. B Corp project. She was working at a B Corp. We certified. I said, what do we do? Like, Again, going back to the implementation piece, we used student consultants who didn't know what they were doing. <laughs> so it was like, what do we do? We got certified. And like my CEO and I are like, yeah, we did it. And like everybody else, is like, we did what? Like right. nobody in the company knows what we did. Like we are like, I don't know what we're supposed to do. Do we do a press release? Like what? What? I have no idea. Like, and what's next after that? Like, do, do we just yeah. certify? Like, where does the ROI come from? And Christina goes, Nathan, just get involved in the community and you'll figure it out from there. And I went, okay. And so I started going, I went to it. By accident, I went to the B Summit in Amsterdam, which I'm going to again this summer, which is exciting. This time, not by accident. I thought it was a global summit in 2018. My boss sent me to Amsterdam, right. waited a couple of years, so I told him, yeah, that was all just European companies. <laughs> so, But you got to trip to Amsterdam out of it. I did. So, it was you know, great. Yeah. Middle of the World Cup, too. Went over to Germany. Anyway, and then so then I went back. I came back. And I went to New Orleans for the actual North American conference. And I'm like blown away. And from that, like I got, I mean, talk about getting involved. I started the B Culture Call. That brings all these culture leaders from around the country together to just kind of talk about like, I don't know, a lot of us are like all of a sudden pseudo HRE kind of ish people sure. like I've, I've never done Sherm. I didn't like OB, but we're wearing those hats engagement and how do we retain talent? Like a lot of that overlap in the Venn diagram. So I started that call and then there was a B2B B Corps call that I was like, man, like, I mean, I kind of, I kind of in the face of my old company in the B Corp community. So I started going to the B2B B Corps call. And so I started building and then I built B Local Georgia. And then you fast forward now and B Lab has, not everybody's going to have that gumption. Not every small business owner or small team has that time to get as involved as I did. I don't know that I had the time. I think I'm just a crazy person, but <laughs> B Lab has now invested and made it a lot easier for new B Corps to get plugged in and like, you know, get your get your new HR director into the, you know, the culture call and the talent right. collective. Some of these calls that are happening, get your, you know, CRO into the B2B B Corp space. Get your if it's a women-led company, there's a We the Change, which is women entrepreneurship. There's oh, yeah. an EOS yep. group. There's uh there's a B tourism group. There's a B fashion group. There's like everything. So people can start to get together and not only I mean, it's just beautiful collaborations come out of it, knowledge sharing and just and again, it's finding inspiration in in your this group, this collective group of people made up of of again different different backgrounds, different uh, opinions, different upbringings, right. different business types, just this beautiful like mosaic of people who are all unified by this desire to use business as a force for good. I love that. I love that. And I'm going to ask you to take us out on a with a really big picture question. This is a question I've been playing around with lately with guests, and, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on it because your subject matter is so related to the future of our world, the future of our planet, the future of humanity. So I want you to imagine that the five most important world leaders listen to this podcast and they're like, dude, we got to get on board with this B Corp movement. And I want you to look 15 to 20 years out into the future and ask what you think the world could look like 15 to 20 years from now, half a generation from now, if this whole B Corp movement really took hold. So my vision, and I'm big on like upstream solutions, embracing the journey, I say all the time that, you know, be the change you want to see in the world, even if you're not alive to see it, <laughs> even if it happens after you, but be that ripple in time, you know, 10, 15 years from now, like I see things much more equitable. I see things where, you know, some of society's biggest problems of, of 
you know, crime, of homelessness, of poverty, of generation after generation, intergenerational poverty, of lack of opportunity. Like it all comes back to similar things. And it's a lack of, it's that lack of economic opportunity. And I think that the the ethos of the B Corp community, when we talk about you know, I mean, even the planet, I, mean, I didn't even touch on that, the climate planet, you, you see a community of businesses and business owners and employees and people that want to work at B Corps, you see this community working together to solve some of society's biggest problems. You have a Grayson Bakery who, you know, saw recidivism and homelessness in the 80s and went, what if we just went to open hiring? You see these ideas coming out of, out of B Corps and so in 15 to 20 years, I think you you if if this movement really takes off, you see true diversity, equity, inclusion work. It's not just like, oh, can I get, you know, the ecosystem I came from was, I think it was 3% African-American. Right. What? Like, you know, so it's like, great. Yeah. I mean, we can go out and try to recruit that, that little sliver of diverse talent or, you know, and then great, good on us. If they stay, we're, we're inclusive. We've got a great culture. Good. I mean, good job, you know. But at the end of the day, did we accomplish anything if in 15 years that ecosystem is still 3%? No, we didn't really accomplish anything for society's greater good. And I think what you see coming out of the B Corp community is a more intentional focus on outcomes, you know, materiality assessments, like what, are, what, what externalities are we measuring? Like what, what determines whether we were successful, even our volunteer efforts, like what impact are we making in our communities long-term and, and thinking, I think thinking about things from a long-term perspective is that paradigm shift of, right. you know, we used to say making capitalism work for everyone and for the long-term. That was literally a shirt they gave away at the champions retreat a couple of years ago. And I think, I think that's, that's what it comes down to is, is, is that long-term thinking of, yes, we need to make payroll and we need to make, you know, a business business owner. I'm taking a risk. I would like a return on my risk and my capital investment and all those things. And those are fine. But I think also knowing that, like, uh, you know, I don't need a rocket ship to take me to the moon because of the risk I took. I don't need, you know, I don't need infinite wealth. I would like to see that we have like incremental impact and progress made on these pressing issues of 10, 15 years from now, we've invested money in schools and vocational programs and internships and apprenticeships and training programs that, and we focused on like what upstream can we do to solve these issues? And we, as a business community, I think entrepreneurs are uniquely positioned to solve society's biggest issues. Think about it. We used to buy bread that wasn't sliced. Some entrepreneur, I bet I'd sell more if I sliced it. You know, I think, I think we are positioned as business people, as entrepreneurs, as leaders to solve some of these problems. And I can't think of a better community to do that work than the B Corp space. And I think that, that 15, 20 years from now, we will be in a better place because the B Corp movement started and thrived and continue to grow. I love that vision. I'm I running for president energy. of B Corpville 2024. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll, I'll be the, the, the mayor of B Corpville. I'm like, whatever, I'll take it. I'll be your campaign manager, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, Nathan Stuck, this was amazing. Real quick, tell people how to find you, how to get a hold of you if they're interested in learning more. Absolutely. Well, yeah, thank you. This was a blast. And probably honestly, you probably got me more candid than than I've probably ever been on some of the I love it. Some of the 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 differing of opinions in our community, which I again embrace and find healthy. I quit everything except for the LinkedIn. So <laughs> I'm on LinkedIn slash LinkedIn.com slash Nathan A. Stuck. The company is LinkedIn. I'm guessing just look profitable purpose consulting up. I'm guessing it's LinkedIn.com slash profitable purpose consulting. 
I make you earn it because you have to spell it. And then Be Local Georgia is also on there at LinkedIn.com slash Be Local Georgia. And then we are on, we're on the gram for Be Local Georgia, but I, I outsource that work to my MBA student board fellows. So <laughs> I will, you get on, I log in and next thing you know, I have 30 minutes later, I'm just watching like yeah. cat videos. Cat and videos. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm like, what am I doing? What did I come on here to do? I forgot. So uh, yeah, I had to delegate that one out. And for everybody listening, all of that information is going to be in the show notes. So you can you can click on the links in the show notes. But Nathan, this was great. I love your vision. I'm grateful for your work. And thanks for your presence here, man. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, and thank you for, I guess, amplifying the the, the voice, my voice, the voice of B Corps in, the, in, in my region and in my state. And yeah, pleasure. So thank you.